Hello and good morning. Shoot, I didn't even start it right. And in three, two, one. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Eady and joining me today is the spaghetti to my meatballs, one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. How are you today, Tilger? I'm flapping around the wind like spaghetti with all the wind happening and really happy. How about yourself, Jeff? <laughs> one of those uh, inflatable uh, bendy men on the side of the road. Is that what you're talking oh, exactly. about? Exactly. Well, especially with the wind we've had coming through the last couple of days, for sure. <laughs> I'm good, buddy. Actually, I think you would be the meatball to my spaghetti, not the spaghetti to my meatballs. Anyhow. Okay. Well, I'm sitting here clumped down on the ball now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It's going to be like this, is it? Jonathan... One of the things we keep seeing, and, and we are not harbingers of bad news by any means. So I like to offer solutions when the world hands you problems. One of the things that I keep seeing in the news is rising home prices, rising home prices, rising home prices. And then, of course, there's the inevitable bubble conversation that comes after that. But the, uh, the thing that, that there are some people kind of getting left out in the dark here. And it's the young folks, the ones that want to get into a home. I've actually seen a couple of, um, I would say, uh, very negative articles as of late. I think one was in uh, Narcity saying you'd have to save for 27 years to get into a home right now, which, <clears throat> okay, if I was trying to buy a single family home in downtown Toronto, I could see that happening if I had a job that didn't afford that to me. The problem is, personally, I would think that if you're young, you're not trying to buy a single family home in downtown Toronto, unless you're, you know, top stockbroker or somebody who makes ridiculous money. Otherwise, you're trying to buy something smaller. So why don't we break this down a little bit and just see. As a young person, what's your best strategy to get started into the housing market right now? It's, I mean, quite frankly, it's just finding uh, with the way things are, it's, let's, let me take a step back on what I'm trying to say here. So if you really look at, at the way a lot of people are building up the wealth to buy a future property, it's by owning a property. Yep. So that being said, it's really, it's about getting in and buying a property. I mean, somebody young starting out, you're most likely going to be starting with a small condo or maybe even potentially buying it with a friend. I mean, you could say, well, significant other if you're in a relationship, but if you're not, or you're not sure your relationship is going to be a long-term one, look at, look at getting started by buying a property with a friend or a sibling. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great strategy, pooling your money because a lot of people want to get involved in a relationship and buy it that way, but it's, it's kind of easier and probably a, a more, strategic move to say hey you know if we want to get into this market we need to start teaming up oh exactly and, and with that you can i'll just say you can be more strategic and take the emotion out of it mm -hmm. just meaning it from the standpoint of you're not you're not going in i mean if you buy a relationship with a significant other and things don't work out and now you're dividing up the property oftentimes relations are just too many emotions get involved and people do stupid things. It ends up hurting them financially. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the challenges. A lot of people talk about uh, getting divorced or, or, you know, kind of starting over in their thirties or forties 
And I'm not saying it's a bad idea to buy a house with your significant other, but when you're just starting out, those relationships don't necessarily last. So great idea to start team up with a friend or a relative or somebody of that um, relationship nature. And we are seeing more and more that um, parents are helping kids with their down payments, which I don't think is, do you think that's like a, an anomaly or has this been happening for a really long time? They just need more to put down. Well, I think you, you go back and I'll say, go back to societies outside of North America, mm -hmm. uh, go back to Europe and for so many for so long, where do people get the property from? It was essentially inherited. Mm -hmm. It's only been, I'll say, in recent times that it's it's and particularly in North America, where for a long time land and everything was plentiful as a proportion of the population, that people were able to, hey, I can buy a house, I can do all these things. But in other parts of the world, it's been for the majority of people quite different. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you know, that's interesting that you say that because it, it is very common in certain cultures. I know one of my best friends, um, he lived at home even after he got married until they found the right place. But he was, uh, gosh, I think he was almost 40 and still living at his uh, in his dad's place. And there's nothing wrong with that in their culture. And, and it's not like you, you know, not like my cousin who lives in his mom's basement and doesn't work. He was a, a very successful uh, professional. It was just much more common within in the Greek culture to live at home until you get married. And even at that, they weren't rushing to buy a house. They wanted to find the perfect house. So they lived in separate matrimonial homes for a while until they got it. Well, you, you see that with a lot of a lot of a lot of people we're seeing now in the Toronto area from other cultures where that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And some, some of the people I've heard who've actually done very well with real estate, they essentially didn't have phenomenally high paying jobs, but they basically worked as a larger collective to say, hey, listen, we can buy this together. Let's do it. Yeah. And that's I, th I think that's a, a smart thing. Now, let's say you're a more Western style of thinking and you're let's say starting out 24, 25 years old, what is the first thing you should be looking at in order to get into a property if you're trying to buy one? Well, first, you want to understand what you can afford. Mm -hmm. You want to understand both, both what you can qualify for, and that's whether you're doing it on your own, you're doing it with somebody else, but understand that fully, understand, uh, and, and understand just your monthly carrying costs. So, nothing worse than someone going in, well, I can afford this. I'm going to buy it. And they end up being what they term as house poor where they, yeah, they're making those, but they can't afford anything else. Yeah. Like food. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you want to make sure that you really take those things and really look at that, find out what you're talking about, what you can afford and also what that's going to look like cash flow wise for you going forward. Mm -hmm. I would think there's some more factors you need to take into that as well. Uh, one of them being where you work because you don't want to be too far from work. Otherwise you're going to have to look at extra expenses for commuting and travel, whether it's a car or um, fuel or insurance, all of those things. But uh, also I think, you know, and it kind of goes hand in hand with figuring out what you can afford trying to find something that's not, I guess what I'm trying to say is the articles that I keep reading are kind of skewed to make it look extremely negative out there. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it does. Yep. Like you'll need to save for 27 years to be able to afford a home. Yeah. If you're talking about a four story Victorian home in Cabbage Town in downtown Toronto, absolutely. But that's not a starter home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is not where you begin. That is where you grow into. And that's still completely possible for pretty much everybody. That's what makes our country great is that there is no cap on what you can earn. You know, it's really a cap on, on your thinking. So what are some of the things that uh, you're going to want to be wary of? Let's say you and your buddy decide to go in on a place and, and you're going to live in it. And uh, how do you set that up to be a successful transaction? Cause Lord knows there is no better way to get rid of a friend than to live with them. If you're both going to be living there, it may not be a bad idea to rent with this person for a short period of time somewhere to just understand, hey, is this someone that you can live in the same accommodation with and you don't want to kill each other? (laughs) Fair. Uh, Because, yeah, as as you say, I mean, nothing's worse. You get into a place, you're there for a couple of months and you're, okay, listen, your be it cleanliness habits, your... Uh, the time that you like to go to bed, you watch TV late, whatever else, and it keeps me up. You want to make sure that there's a compatibility there if you're going to be ultimately sharing a roof with somebody. That mm-hmm. there at least that there's at least at these. Okay, you're going to bed now. That's cool. I'll turn things down. I'll keep it quiet. Blah 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 blah. But there are some people. Hey, they haven't been set proper boundaries in their life, and so they don't understand those things. <laughs> so so you want to find that out before you make a commitment with somebody on that on that front. <laughs> So um, from a, a legal standpoint, what um, should you have a cohabitation agreement in place or or a long term uh, investment contract like a partnership? Should you buy it in your own names or should it be registered as a business? Uh, it, well, when it comes to real estate, especially buying, it, you're better to keep it in your names for capital gains reasons. Also for mortgage qualification, there's more options available for you. Okay. Uh, as far as, yeah, you probably want to get some sort of legal agreement drawn up. Uh, I mean, you don't have to spend a huge amount on the lawyer, but your real estate lo- closing lawyer, you could probably just talk to them and say, hey, we've just agreed that, that, that uh, we're going to own it for this amount of time. Or if we split things up, then this is how it's going to happen. No different than, no different. Look, look at it like any type of, any type of business partnership. Mm-hmm. I mean, business partnerships, you go in and, and you build in certain clauses based on, hey, if something happens to you, if something happens to me, uh, I mean, if one person's not able to make their payments, what happens? If, uh, if I mean, God forbid, one of you dies, what happens? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you build all these things in, these just contingencies, so it's not an after the fact. Or if you just decide, hey, listen, you guys can't, can't live together, how are you going to divide things up? So it doesn't become a big dispute. You want to ultimately, if you're buying something with a friend or, or a sibling or a significant other, uh, you want to understand, okay, we're buying this property together. It's an investment for both of us. Let's make sure that, that we take care of this as an investment and look at it from that perspective first so we can have it do what, what we want it to do, which is make us both money. So we can then go about and whether we buy something future together or we go our separate ways, we can both walk away with some money to get our, to, so we can each buy the property we want down the road. So let me ask you, <clears throat> One of the strategies you love teaching people that I love really, you know, it's one of those great ones that people aren't really aware of that you talk about all the time is um, buying a second 
principal residence and keeping this your first place as a rental property so you can still put down the the 5% down have the high ratio mortgage and the CMHC and all that could two people do that go their separate ways after owning this still own this as a joint rental property and buy two of their own um, principal residence they definitely can you just have to take into account mortgage qualification Mm -hmm. Uh, but they definitely can do that yes Hmm. That's so, interesting. So, so that they could keep a part, be it a partnership agreement. And by say partnership agreement, you don't, you don't legally have to register a business partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could just be, Hey, but you're declaring, you're each declaring the rental income on your, your tax returns and just taking essentially half of it. You each claim. Yeah. That's an interesting, you know, that, that just kind of throwing that out there that that's an interesting play to get started in the business. And, uh, in your early 20s, if you've got somebody else with, say, 20, 40 grand to be able to go out there and you guys team up and get that first place and then be able to go out and buy your own after that. Now you've both got a rental property you share in. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Then, I mean, they, that continues to grow over time. And yeah, I mean, leverage and buy, leverage and buy. Yeah. So what would they need to get qualified if you're looking at two people who are just you know, say friends and becoming, you know, quote unquote partners on this. So really it's getting an application started, uh, which comes down to obviously there's a bit of paperwork as far as completing the application uh, paperwork, as far as what is each person's income and then understanding uh, credit checks and where the down payment's coming from. Hmm. Seems a little simpler than the news makes it sound, Jonathan. Overall, it's not super complex. What the news is harping on is the fact that uh, that prices are becoming higher as a proportion of income than they were. So it is becoming harder, especially for younger people to get started into the market. Mm-hmm. So that that's what the news is really harping on. And so it's about finding creative ways to get into the market, because ultimately, if a large proportion of people's net worth is built through real estate, and a big portion of that is just time in the market. Then the earlier you can get started, the better. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I mean, we couldn't really expect it to be like it was in the 50s for people where you go out and buy a house for 10 grand and you live in it for the next 40 years. It's just not the way society is anymore. T- typically not. I mean, there's a handful of people who are able to, to get the place that becomes their long-term house when they're, I mean, I don't think very many as a starter home, but I'm sure there are some examples where that does happen, but that is, that's not the rule now. That's the exception, not the rule that's happening. Most mm-hmm. people are getting a place. Let's get started, build some equity, take that equity, uh, whether, whether they're using the equity to buy the next place and sell their current place or using a, a rental strategy is just helping them to ultimately get to, Hey, this is the house that I like. This is the one I want to live in long term. So- let's say things go south and one partner wants to get bought out. How does that work? And those, those are the things you guys have to agree on in, mm-hmm. in the, uh, the agreement. Um, so if one per, if one person, if they, they agree, Hey, I'm going to buy you out. Let's just say you and I bought a place together. We'd turn around. Okay. I'm going to buy you out or you're going to buy me out. So if I'm going to buy you out, then what needs to happen is we've got, we've got to, what's the method we agreed on to determine the equity in there that would determine how much you need to be bought out for. Typically we'd agree on, okay, we get an appraisal done. 
the appraisal comes in with the value. Uh, we say, okay, based on that, there is, so it's worth, it's worth let's say 800,000. We've got a $400,000 mortgage, so there's 400 of equity. So I need to pay you 200,000. And so that's where I then have to go and say, can I qualify for now a $600,000 mortgage? Do that and then pay you out. Now, would it be easier for them? Would they have to refinance or could they just get a line of credit and take the other person off of title and mortgage? Well, which, whichever way, I'd have to get 200000 from somewhere. If I had the money sitting cash, I could, I could just pay it to you. Yeah, of course. But, who, uh, but yeah, who, who I mean, that? <laughs> when, 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 when I say refinance, I, I mean that just generally. Uh, so I've got to, I've got to access the equity somehow. So I could either get a new first mortgage, get a leave the first, get a second mortgage, get a line of credit, different options behind it. But, but by some means I've got to get the 200,000 out to pay you. And mm -hmm. then we go back through a lawyer and, and get, uh, get you removed from title and so forth. So would a mortgage broker be instrumental in planning all of this upfront? A mortgage broker, broker whose experience can help. Uh, definitely you want a lawyer to, if you're going to draw together an agreement, you want the lawyer to do that part there. Uh, but an experienced mortgage broker can help kind of the, some of the what if scenarios you want to consider. Mm -hmm. And just making sure that those things are planned out. And also if the plan is that, that, I mean, at some future date, one person wants to buy the other person out can actually, well, here's the income we need. Here's what we need to make this happen under these scenarios. That's fair. So I'm getting a notification that I have a meeting at 12 and I didn't know I had a meeting at 12. Oh. <laughs> I think something that, that was the, the, the boom, boom, boom. If you heard that on there, the, the, that's not a good rendition of the boom, boom, boom. <sighs> Jonathan, it's been a long week. <laughs> it's only it's Tuesday only right Tuesday. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so I, I would think going into this, a planned exit strategy would be a really good thing. De definitely or, is. And, or at and, least a planned reassessment strategy. Yeah. And, and you, you want to... Uh, you'll want multiple exit strategies and that is, Hey, exit strategy this way, but also, I mean, you want your, your call it main exit or reassessment. Let me put it that way, but you'll want to look at some of the, what if scenarios mm -hmm. just and so what's there a, are contingencies built in. What's a good period of time to build up some equity and be able to really profit from this. Uh, you probably want to plan on a minimum of three years, ideally five. And, and, and part of that is, I mean, in any short period of time, there can be a correction in the market. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, over five years or longer, uh, the prices will be higher than they are today. Uh, but if you look at a short period of time, uh, a, year, a year or two from now, there, there, could, be a, there could be a short term blip or correction. And so, and so you don't want to go in with this short time frame and now turn around and find, oh, wait, we're behind now. Now, what do we do? All right. The ultimate tough question here. If you answer it with depends, I'm going to get upset. Fixed or variable rate right now in this type of scenario. So, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll just away. say, I'll just, I'll just say right now, right now in this market, it probably makes a lot more sense to go fix just because rates are starting to rise mm -hmm. uh, in that scenario there. If there is a high probability that things might need to change in a year or two, if you're, you're going in with, hey, listen, we're going to go into it for, a, for two years, then we'll reassess 
reassess things, you either want to go short-term fixed or variable just to avoid mortgage penalties. If, if you're going in as hard and fast, hey, listen, we're going with a longer time frame, then look at what's happening in the market and say what makes more sense. Wow, you gave a definitive answer. It didn't say it depends. I'm proud of you, Jonathan. But if you notice, <laughs> I gave a couple scenarios, so that's where it depends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> By the way, are you wearing them? Uh, <laughs> one of us had to go there. I think uh, I think we've got a sound strategy. I think we've got some answers for some of the young folks that are out there thinking, how do I ever get in this freaking market? And I think, it's you know, it's a big thing, JT, to open up. A lot of people think about buying a home as just a simple personal thing. It's either them or a significant other. But I think your strategy of partnering up with friends families, whoever, to make it a long-term investment strategy is brilliant. So thank you for that. Oh, of course. Of course. I've worked with several, several clients who have done that. And it usually works. And while well, those who I've worked with, it's worked out very well for them in the long run. So if you could say one thing to people about this strategy before we go, what would it be? Really take some time and think of if, if you're in that state where you're contemplating you want to get in the market, but by yourself, you don't, you can't quite get there. Think about somebody who in your life, who is either a friend or family member, and it makes sense to, to check with them if they're in a similar, some, and have some conversations, just start the conversation. Cause you never know. Cause you could just start it. You're saying, well, I was thinking about this. And they're, they're like, they're either like, that's a great idea. Or, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. I didn't know how to approach you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's a great strategy. It's a great strategy. And it kind of sets the, sets the, sets the media on their ear for saying that you can't get in as a young home buyer anymore. You just got to be more, you just got to be more intelligent. That's all. A little, a little bit of creativity goes a long way. Amen to that brother. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you and everything you do. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. And hopefully you made it to the end of this podcast. I would really appreciate that. And you wouldn't even know if I was thanking you if you didn't. So if you want to learn more about Jonathan and I, you can certainly download the book, Investment Property Income Book.com. We also just released a new one. Uh, major marketing mistakes and other dumb shit to avoid for realtors. You can find that at guide to the grind.com. And of course you can download us from Google play, Amazon, Spotify, and all the major podcasting hosts. Jonathan, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic day and we will see you soon.